Hello everyone and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing today's topic, how to balance and enjoy your work mum life. My name is Lucy Good and I am the founder of Beanstalk, an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. My aim with these podcasts is to get useful, targeted information to single mums wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I hunt down experts in the subjects that matter to single mums and I ask the questions that I think you want to know the answers to. The information being shared in my free podcast can save you time, money and a whole lot of worry. Why pay for services or waste time looking for information when you can get it right here? And if you have questions that are specific to your situation, my guests are always happy to go a step further, so don't be afraid to contact them directly if you like what you're hearing. And talking of guests, I take great pleasure in welcoming today's podcast guest, Kim Stone. Kim is mum of two and the founder of Undercover Mum. Kim understands the challenges of being a working mum and feeling torn between work and home, both as a professional and a business owner. Kim knows that working mums can have it all with the right strategies and support, having experienced this herself. She believes you can make time for everything that matters to you, including health, career, family, fun and more, while still feeling energised. Kim supports and mentors other working mums so they can experience their version of success at home and at work. Now, I've been following Kim online for a while now, and there is no doubt that she certainly knows her stuff. She is living, breathing proof that it is possible to balance a successful career whilst being a fabulous mum. Welcome, Kim. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for having me. No, it's a real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us today. Look, I I love what you do, and I think what's key to our discussion today is not just how to get that balance but how to actually enjoy it, which is what Beanstalk Single Mums is all about. It's about managing to do it all and to be happy and fulfilled at the same time. And the fact that you've done it makes it seem so much more achievable for other mums. So I'm really looking forward to passing your knowledge and experience on to the single mums who are listening today. Fabulous. Now, we'll we'll head straight in because I've got quite a few questions here for you. Hopefully we have time to get through them all. But to start with, look, there's no doubt that one of the biggest challenges of being a single mum is doing it all. And by that, I mean earning money, caring for our children, providing a home and everything in between. I often have mums on my Facebook group who are overwhelmed and a common question is how do they cope with work and all their many other commitments? So, to a single mum in this position, what's the first piece of advice you'd give to help her move from panic mode to a place where she can calmly assess and readdress her work-life balance? Yeah, look, Lucy, that's a great question, uh, and it's one that I... Um, you know, I get asked a lot of the time because feeling overwhelmed is quite common amongst working mums. 
and the other thing is that feeling overwhelmed is, uh, you know, it's something that um, happens to all of us because we have these heads full of long to-do lists uh, and we're often thinking about so many different aspects of our life uh, at the same time. So my advice is when you are feeling overwhelmed and hopefully it's not a constant feeling for you, um, you know, I hope it's something that only happens in certain moments. We all have our moments uh, and my moments are usually uh, at the start of a day when I have a long to-do list and I'm, you know, feeling really like I want to get a lot done in the day. So the first thing I do is I stop and I take a big breath and I have a phrase that I use, a question that I ask myself and I always say to myself or ask myself, what must I do today and in what order? And that allow, that question triggers me to make a really quick list of priorities uh, and to stick to it. So often we're thinking about things that are beyond the short term, beyond that day or that moment, uh, and we can just let those things go in that moment as well. Uh, and, and that helps you to really focus your time and energy on what you need to be doing in the short term. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I mean, even when you were talking then, Kim, I was, I was thinking of myself after I finished chatting to you today. I've got such a huge to-do list um, that it is overwhelming. But I know if I go through it, I'm going to realise that probably at least three quarters of the things on it don't need to be done today. So once you've broken it down yes. and you've said, okay, and I think it's a matter of, of having so many things to do and worrying that you might forget them. So you feel you've got to get them all done. But if you document it as such, if you write a list or whatever, then you're able to feel a lot more control um, and just get on with what, what needs to be done and just pepper the rest of the tasks perhaps throughout the week ahead. Um, tell me, what's your, what's your, um, how do you make your lists? There's so many ways now, isn't there, on our phones, on our computers, or you still <laughs> a traditional on the, on the back of an envelope um, girl. <laughs> I am fairly traditional, Lucy. I have a, uh, well, I actually have two notebooks now. Uh, I have one notebook which is for all of my ideas and just random thoughts and things like that that pop into my head that I like to write down in case I forget them. Uh, and the other one is actually a, a planner. So, and I like to plan my week out, but then I like to, at the start of every day, look at what I need to do that day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The, the way that I prioritise things, you know, you, it's that urgent versus important as well. So it's not just doing all the urgent things, uh, it's also doing the important things. So uh, you might have a, a list of things that are, urgent but it might be really important for you to do something on that list because it's uh, you know if you're running a business that it's an income generating activity uh, so it might not be urgent but it's really important yeah, yeah. so it's kind of about categorizing everything isn't it and making sure that you do what needs to be done now and that you don't forget the other things and you do them at an appropriate time um, and I I I agree with you entirely because that does take the panic out, doesn't it, once you, you've recorded everything. So 
So, okay, so now we've taken the panic out of the situation. <laughs> we're, we're now in a position to really address and hopefully improve our work-life balance, which is great. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I know you believe that it's not only possible to make it work, but to actually enjoy it, which is why I was so keen to talk to you today. You suggest making choices that suit you and your family and to reflect your work, life, dreams and personal values. So tell me, how do we clearly, easily and concisely define what these are? That's a great question, Lucy. And I'm probably going to start with the opposite of that. So <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> I think sometimes to get the answer of what we want, we need to be really clear about what we don't want. And also things that maybe we don't want, but we think other people want from us or for us. Uh, so, you know, part of defining your work-life goals is letting go of other people's expectations of how you should be living your life. Uh, and then the other thing that I do is to look at um, all of my responsibilities and desires um, because I like to design my week so it's a mix of both, um, you know, so that I feel like I'm meeting my responsibilities but there's also time in there that I get to do things that I enjoy. Uh, and when that list of responsibilities uh, is taking up too much time or it's it's getting a bit overwhelming, I review that list uh, and see how I could be making changes, whether I need to outsource or insource or get some other kind of support um, or even do things in a different way so that they don't take up so much time. Yeah, and just kind of doing things your own way, I guess, like you say, rather than doing what you think other people want you to do or what you feel it's expected of you to do. You have to put some blinkers on and think, what is it that I want? Because we do waste a lot of time, don't we, trying to be what other people want us to be. Um, and if we focus on our own goals and our own personal values, we, we get towards them a lot faster than we would otherwise yeah, yeah, a lot of the, the working mums that I speak to don't realise it until I ask them about it, but they don't realise they're doing things that they think that other people expect of them uh, and they're making assumptions about that because they, they have this fear, they don't want to let people down. Um, mm. you know, so, And, of course, we don't want to disappoint other people, um, but sometimes when we're trying to please everybody, we end up disappointing ourselves. We do, because we're all so different as well, aren't we? There is no sort of one rule for everybody. Um, we, mm. you, one person might do things one way, but it doesn't work. You, our lifestyles are all so different as well. We have different times in the day that we're able to work as mums. That window of opportunity when your children are at school is just such a small window, isn't it? When Before your kids start school, you think... I'm going to have all this time to work <laughs> when they go to school. But really, by the time you get home and you've put the house back together after breakfast and you've done the washing, you get, I, I always think you get about three hours of work in and then it's time to get ready to go and pick them up from school and bring them home. So it's not a very long day. So you then have to find individual ways to, to work and that might mean working later on at night or getting up earlier in the morning. So we are also different 
in, um, in our lifestyles, and that means that our expectations are different. And as you said, it's really important to focus on ourselves and not on people around us and how they do things. So Yes, yeah. So, look, I, I offer a course for single mums, um, and one of the strategies I use um, near to the beginning um, in the assessment phase is not only to list what we want from life, but to consider what's actually attainable at this point in our life. And for me, that is really important, because if we try to achieve too much at once, we could set ourselves up for failure, which we don't want to do. Would you agree that by simplifying and even putting some of our dreams aside for the time being, it can help us be more successful in our work-life balance and ultimately for our future? I don't necessarily think that we need to put our dreams aside, uh, but I I do know what you're saying. And it reminds me of a quote by Bill Gates, and he says, we overestimate how much we can achieve in a year and we underestimate how much we can achieve in 10 years. And I see this so often with working mums. I think we overestimate what we can achieve in a day and even a week or a month, not just in a year. Uh, so, you know, the, when we're going for our goals, you know, or our dreams, they might be quite long-term dreams uh, and I think it can be overwhelming and demotivating to look at the gap between our current situation and where our dream is, uh, and it's a lot more motivating and uh, makes it a lot more manageable when we focus on the incremental changes and milestones to achieve those work-life dreams. Uh, you know, it, it's about the long game. Yeah. Yes. So, sort of breaking it down, would you say, um, so that your dream, so that your goals are more achievable? Yeah. Yeah. So it's about making incremental change, and you know, those those changes and those steps along the way might seem quite insignificant, but when you put them all together over you know a long period of time, then you you're achieving that long term dream or goal. Mm. Uh, and, and each of those little steps that you do along the way, it's, it's all contributing to it, uh, which, you know, is, is motivating. But if we just think about where we are and where we want to go and how like, much of a gap there might be there, and that can be really overwhelming. Mm. And I, I actually think of my own situation here when I you know, wanted to start this business that I have now, Beanstalk Mums. I was working full time and I can vividly remember sitting at my desk in my office and thinking, I, you know, I, want this, I want to do this business and I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to support and inspire single mums. But it was just such a long way from where I was at that time, sitting at that desk in an office doing something totally unrelated. And for such a long time, that gap that you talk about between reality and what you want from life was just too big for me to take any any action. Um, mm. And then bit by bit at the weekends, I'd do small things, like I'd register um, the business, get an ABN, or I'd do a little bit of research on websites and think about what kind of offering um, I was going to do. And although it just seemed almost pointless because they were such small things... It was slowly making that gap that you talk about smaller and it didn't seem such a far out idea. It was almost possible to 
to imagine it could happen. And it was by taking those smaller steps. Yeah, that's a great example, Lucy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it yeah, it's kind of makes me feel a bit sad that potentially if that gap is is too big in our minds that stops us from taking any action and giving up on on our dreams or not necessarily giving up because I think if it's something that you really want, you will eventually do it. Um, but obviously, you know, it's better to do those things or start doing those things as soon as we can. Yeah, just, they, they yeah, can take a long time. They do. They take a long time, and but you know, to get off that starting block, isn't it? And then you and then you're off and running. Um, but it's always hard work. But us us working mums aren't afraid of that by any means. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we also have to cut ourselves a bit of slack because uh, you know we do have so many things going on in our life. So sometimes you know, like setting up a business could take us a bit longer than it might take someone who doesn't have kids. And it's, you know, we shouldn't compare ourselves to anybody else really because we're all living our own life and our own journey and and it's unfair to compare ourselves to other people. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely not the way forward and I try not to do it. It's not always easy. Um, but we'll all get, always get there in the end one way or another. Um, so once we've ascertained what we want from our work-life balance, can you share some of the strategies you would use to get everything moving in the right direction? Yeah, so I think the most important thing is to set specific goals. Uh, and you've probably heard of the SMART principle, so specific. Have, yes. <laughs> probably everyone's heard of it, but I'll just do a quick refresh anyway. No, no, tell us about it. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> so um, when you're doing your goal setting, you need to make sure that they're specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, which I think for working mums is a really important one um, because when we set goals that are not realistic, uh, that's when we can sometimes disappoint ourselves when we haven't achieved something um, realistic. And the last one is timely. So it's about putting you know, real, putting a time frame on it, but also making sure that time frame is realistic as well. So I sort of see those smart principles as interrelated as well. Uh, so I'll give you an example. If you decided that you wanted to exercise more, there's a big difference between saying that you will exercise three times a week compared to I am going to go to the gym three times a week and I'm going to go Sunday morning, Tuesday evening and Thursday morning. Like honestly, the more specific you can be, the more likely you are to achieve those goals and to take that action uh, and consistently take that action too um, for a goal like that. Mm, yeah, and I, I, whenever you're talking, Kim, I keep thinking of my own situation because what you're saying is just so true. Um, I tend to get up in the mornings, and if I haven't got my children, if they're with their dad, I say to myself, okay, I'm going to get heaps of work done on my business today. And I can work as hard as you like. You know, sometimes, sometimes I might do 14 hours in front of the laptop. And at the end of the day, if I've said... 
I'm going to do heaps of work on my business. I'm unable to actually ascertain whether I achieve my goal or not. Because, yes, I did do lots of work. But did I do heaps of work? My goal at the beginning was quite unclear. But mm-hmm. if I get up and I say, OK, I'm going to publish one article, I'm going to record one podcast, and I'm going to do three mentor sessions, and I manage to do all of those things... I feel really good at the end of the day because I've achieved them all and I've done what we all love to do and, and tick everything off. So I, is that, that's kind of the thing that you're talking about there, isn't it, Kim? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there is a big difference between uh, those two goals that you just talked about. Yeah. So it's just to be more defined and that kind of almost takes us back as well to um, the beginning of the podcast when we were chatting, when we keep referring back to these lists don't we and how important they are um, and how you know just spend five minutes every morning working out what it is you're going to do that day Um, not only to take yourself out of panic mode and to feel more organized but so you know what your goals are and you feel a sense of achievement at having having done them at the end of the day absolutely yeah and like you said five minutes is all it takes it doesn't have to be a big pretty you know lengthy task in fact the quicker the better. <laughs> mm. and, and sometimes even do it at night. Sometimes I sometimes get into bed at night and I find I can't sleep because my head is spinning with the things that I have to do the following day. And I, I just get up, turn the light on, grab a pen and paper and just write them all down. And, and then I can relax a little bit more. Um, and I get up in the morning and I, I've already written that list and I, I can set to with all my, all my tasks. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, um, practice to get into, a great habit to get into, Lucy. And you get a good night's sleep as well, hopefully. Anyway, um, now we all know that a bit like a diet, motivation is always strongest at the beginning. Say we've taken on board the brilliant strategies you've talked us through, but um, a few months down the line, we get tired, we start to feel overwhelmed and drained. What are your suggestions for staying on track and to seeing this through to get real results? Mm, So you just talked then about doing the daily goal setting, um, which is important, um, but just as important for long, particularly for long-term motivation is to do that um, three-month plan as well. So a three-month goal setting activity as well. Um, so that when you get a month into that three-month period, uh, you know, you can, or whatever amount of time, I usually suggest two weeks to a month um, is to review review how it's going. So, you know, about celebrating your achievements, no matter how small, uh, and that's also something you can do daily as well, um, but also identifying what's not working and trying to work out why. Uh, so sometimes when we, you know, we set these long-term goals, we may need to adjust them along the way, um, which can be more, give us more motivation then. Hmm. And I think, you know, what we're talking about here as well is work-life balance. And often work can involve having an employer, um, you're dealing with different, different people. It's not just yourself. You've got your kids, your family, you've got so many commitments and, as much as we might have our own goals for our work-life balance, other people around us might have different ideas. Um, work situations might change. Your business might take um, a turn in a different direction. 
And all those things mean that you have to make an adjustment. And I guess it's about not being afraid to do that. And you're certainly not failing in any way if you have to adjust your goals. And it's much better to adjust them than to give up on them, to say, OK, well, this goal that I was trying to achieve is not achievable anymore for whatever reason, even if it's out of your own hands. So I'm just going to change that and I'm going to make it achievable again and give it a bit of a tweak, um, whatever that may be, but not to be afraid to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, just because you put a plan in place doesn't mean you can't change it along the way. Yeah, and we all know that the life of a mother um, is very <laughs> unpredictable at times. <laughs> oh, all, all you need is to catch some bug that's going around or your kids to get some illness and yeah it definitely throws out your planning it does it throws it out enormously I can remember when I was doing hourly um on an hourly rate at work and one of my goals with my work-life balance was to do 25 hours a week and my employer was quite flexible so um it was really down to me to reach those 25 hours and so often something would happen and I, and I just couldn't do it. And I used to really beat myself up at the end of the week. But when you look back at it, so much of that was out of my control. So rather than beat myself up, I should perhaps have said, OK, well, this isn't working for me. I'm going to change my, my goals and do a 20-hour week. Um, and I would have felt much happier then. But as with many things, it takes doing them and looking back at them to realise where you went wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> learn. The beauty of hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> hindsight, absolutely. And, of course, the other thing, I guess, um, and, again, um, the other thing that I do in my course is I really encourage um, my single mums to reward themselves um, when that momentum drops off at the beginning or, or halfway through. It's usually quite strong at the beginning how are you going to um, incentivize yourself? So I often say to, say to myself, I'm going to, to have a little reward and it doesn't have to be a big thing. So you can set yourself a goal and if in a month's time you've achieved what you want, um, perhaps say I'm going to go out and spend $50 on myself, um, whatever that may be, going out for dinner, going out and buying some clothes or something like that. But do you, do you incentivise yourself with little rewards, Kim? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? That's a great idea, Lucy, and I actually don't. Uh, but I do make sure that I celebrate progress and all of my little wins along the way because I think sometimes we can get caught up in all the things that we have to do. I'm a very futuristic person. I do focus a lot on what's coming up in my life, what I want in the future. Uh, and I forget to stop and look back at all the things that I have achieved um, because sometimes, yeah, all those little things don't, um, they don't mean as much unless you stop and celebrate them. Nobody else is going to stop and say, oh, hey, Kim, it's awesome how you did this, this and that. Um, you need to do that for yourself. And that's especially true when you, you're, you've got your own business, as we have. Um, sometimes you can... I'm, this morning I, I got a blog article on the Huffington Post and I was so pleased about it, but it really was my achievement and I haven't got a team that we can all stand up and do a happy dance together. <laughs> well, I did a happy dance on my own, but you, it can be hard, can't it, when you're, when you're working alone um, to 
to, to actually reward yourself because you just think, okay, that was great, and then you just keep going. But as you say, you do need to stop and you need to recognise how far you've come. And in my case, you might want to reward yourself with a piece of cake or a biscuit or a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think you should start doing rewards for yourself as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I was going to do a reward, I'd probably, uh, you know, run a nice bath and at mm. night when the kids are asleep, obviously. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in that small window. <laughs> yeah, you know, pamper myself without spending a lot of money, but, uh, you know, taking the time to, yeah, to do that for myself. And it is important because we're working mums and we do deserve um, to be rewarded um, for Absolutely. the things that we do. So. In a podcast to single mums about work-life balance, there's one stone that can't be left unturned, and that is guilt. It's an overriding emotion. We feel guilty if we work and put our kids in childcare. We feel guilty if we don't work and we can't provide for them as well. All mums have this weird attachment relationship with guilt, and it's such a wasted emotion which prevents us focusing on more relevant, positive areas of our lives. What are your thoughts, Kim, when it comes to guilt in relation to a work-life balance? Yeah, look, uh, guilt is guilt is mummy guilt is real for sure, and I have I have experienced it, uh, and I do say experienced past tense because I've also worked really hard on overcoming it because at the end of the day, it doesn't help anyone. Like you said, it's a wasted emotion. Uh, it doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't help your children. It doesn't help anyone. Uh, and some of the strategies that I have actually put in place um, to manage my own mummy guilt has been, one of them has been to practice doing things that trigger that guilt uh, so one of the things that I used to feel guilty about was, um, you know, going going out with some friends and um, having someone else look after my children. And the more I practiced that, the easier it got. Uh, and I know uh, the same is true of daycare as well. So, um, you know, I found it quite challenging leaving my first child in daycare because it was new to both of us uh, and it can be a very emotional experience uh, but the more that I practiced that but also held in my mind the reasons that I was doing it so when you understand why it is so important to you to put your children in daycare to either run your business or return to your career that helps a lot as well so you're facing it head on, really, aren't you? It's like somebody who's frightened of spiders and you put them into a, a room full of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They I overcome their fear. <laughs> yeah, look, the first step is being aware of it. The second is understanding why you're feeling it. Uh, and the third step is to, yeah, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm. Feel the guilt, feel the guilt and do it anyway. I love that. I love that. You know, Just keep doing it remember your reasons why you're doing what you're doing and know that you've made those decisions and you're going to stick by them and you're going to just carry on um, as you say whatever it is whether it's putting your kids in childcare, 
um, or anything like that. Just just keep doing it because we make our decisions. Uh, we make a lot of decisions during the day um, and every single one that we make is in the best interests of our family and our children. So um, just keep doing what we're doing, um, face it head on. I really like that. And I mean, I know for me, guilt comes a lot from trying to do too many things all at once. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's the other thing that I was going to say is that uh, multitasking can often lead to feeling guilty as well. Uh, so, or and even just bringing presence to what you're doing. So um, this is particularly true when you're, um, you know, spending time with your kids and if you're thinking about work and not focusing on spending time with your kids, you can be feeling guilty about the things that you didn't get done at work or the things that you have to do at work while you're spending time with your kids. And then you feel guilty because you're thinking about work while you're with your children. Mm. Uh, and the same thing can happen at work when you, you might feel guilty because you're at work but your child has, you know, had a difficult daycare drop-off. Uh, and so any time that you're not being present and focused, you can potentially feel guilt. So guilt is a reminder that you need to be present and bring your focus to whatever you're doing in that moment and wherever you need to be in that moment to, be, to really be there. Yeah. Oh, Kim, I was trying not to interrupt because I agree so wholeheartedly with what you're saying there. Um, I'm a great advocate for compartmentalization or time chunking. So to focus on the task to hand, finish it and then move on to the next one. Um, and I agree because my personal guiltometer certainly hits the red if I'm trying to do too many things at the same time, um, including, especially really when it includes my, my children. Um, I often try and get a little bit of work done well, my kids are in the same room and I feel guilty because I'm not applying myself to the job to hand, but I'm also not spending the time with my kids. So really, it's just a total waste of time. And I love the way that you've said um, that guilt is your reminder um, to, to stop that multitasking because it isn't working for you. So the minute that guilt creeps in, say, why am I feeling guilty? It's because I'm trying to do too many things at once and I'm achieving nothing. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to just spend this time with the kids and I'm going to do this work after dinner when they're settled in front of the TV. So, and I think that for me, multitasking is something that we, all us mums, brag that we do, but I actually don't think it is the way forward in many respects. And I agree mm. totally that um, it does cause, cause guilt within us. It's draining, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a time and place for multitasking. So... If you're folding the washing and you're watching Netflix at the same time or TV at the same time, that's okay. Mm. But if you're trying to do business activities and play with your kids at the same time, that doesn't work. Yeah. So the key to that balance of uh, um, your home life and your work life is to have a degree of separation um, and concentrate on one thing at a time. Um, yeah, and even if those two things are not physically separated, like if you're a work-at-home mum, um, you do need to separate them in your mind and in the way that you spend your time and that as, is, much, as much as possible. <laughs> work-at-home mum is a whole, a whole uh, new podcast, I think, <laughs> um, because <laughs> there's a whole load of challenges that come with working from home um, that I would love to maybe discuss with you um, another time, Kim. <laughs> um, 
Um, but look, I've got time for one more question. I think we can just fit this one in. So one of my strong beliefs um, that Beanstalk is based on is that improving our own lives... Um, by doing this, we're hugely benefiting our children. Also, if our kids grow up watching us aspiring and achieving, it's a brilliant lesson to them, and they'll grow up doing the same. What lessons do you feel our children learn when they watch their mums have a controlled, successful work and home life? Yeah, that's a great question, um, because a lot of the decisions that we make at the end of the day are for our children... Uh, and there is a lot of research out there that shows that children of working mums, uh, you know, have this rich and rewarding life and go on to be quite ambitious people. Uh, and that's what I want for my children. I want them to see that anything is possible. If, if they want to have both a career or a business and a family, then they can and they don't have to make sacrifices. Uh, and when I talk about sacrifices... I mean you don't have to sacrifice the, your desires or the things that you really want. Um, yeah, you know, I'm really keen to help my children to dream big, I suppose, and to realise that you can have it all, uh, but I would say that you can't necessarily do it all. Uh, and I think that the, the two are quite quite different things. Mm. Um yeah, you, as a you know, as a working mum, you can't do absolutely everything all the time. Uh, you might need to, uh, you know, do some outsourcing or get some help somewhere for sure. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, have our own wife? <laughs> It would be one, one of the things I put on my Facebook page recently was if you could have any superpower, what would it be? And um, I had a massive response, but there were some fantastic ones in there, like to never get tired, to have eight <laughs> arms, <laughs> things like that. And I just thought, God, wouldn't it be amazing to, be, <laughs> to have some of these superpowers of course we don't, and, and we don't want to set unrealistic expectations for our kids either and sort of pretend that we're these incredible women who um, just go through life and achieve everything flawlessly because we're not True. teaching them the right lesson that way either. They need to mm. see us um, try, they need to see us fail, they need to see us sort of get back on the horse and keep going, and that's the lessons that kids today... Um, who are so wrapped up in cotton wool in many ways need to see. They need to see that life, it does have some knockbacks. But if we, if we organise ourselves, if we're controlled, and if we keep, keep trying, um, we will achieve what we want. And, and that's where we want our kids to grow up, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I love how you put that. Hmm. <laughs> Well, look, I'm just looking at the clock here. So um, I have to say that's probably all we've got time for today. So being a mumpreneur and a slight workaholic, I could keep talking for hours on this topic. <laughs> Kim, it's great that you've created this fabulous business which offers such targeted support for working mums. Um, now, Kim also has a free success planner, which will allow you to take your thoughts from this podcast and make them actionable. Kim, can you tell us about this freebie and where my mum's listening should go to get it? Absolutely. So it is on my website, which is www.undercovermum, which is M-U-M, 
www.thinkdeep.com.au and it's the one-page success planner. So I've made it quite a succinct document, uh, but it contains four powerful questions to help you understand what you want and how to make it happen. And there's also some bonus tips in there about overcoming mummy guilt, which is uh, what we've already covered as well. Perfect. Because, I mean, it's all very well talking and getting people to listen in, isn't it? But we do need to give them the opportunity to take those first steps and make what we've been discussing actionable. So thank you, Kim, for that. That's really, really good of you. And um, on the um, album cover, there is a link to Kim's website. So you can just click straight through and have a look at all the fantastic offerings that she has on there. So thank you, Kim, for coming on the podcast and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Thank you for having me, Lucy. It's been fantastic. And thank you, single mums, for listening. I hope you're already thinking of your next steps towards not just getting that elusive work-mum-life balance, but to actually enjoying it. Until next time, ladies, goodbye.